will be in verse 21 to 33. And I don't think we'll get through it all this week. Wives, submit to your own husbands. <laughs> That's how we take it usually, the wrong way. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body, and is himself his savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, and he cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He loves his wife and loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her Husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Isolate this text. You have a mess on your hands. An absolute mess. You, you have a, a hammer and a wheel and confusion to create. In a couple weeks, we'll get to children and parents. But we'll, we'll look at the role of parents to their children and children to their parents. Well, we get to bond servants and masters, but I did say we're starting in verse 21, and then I read 22. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is marriage in the context of two people filled by the Holy Spirit. Text is distorted and confused, manipulated, ignored, advocated. We have a whole bunch of, bunch of issues. Should be a marvelous encouragement to us of our identity in Christ and the reality of, of who Christ is. It, it, it's magnificent. But let's let's just get this out of here because Jerry brought it up. What if you're not married? Like Jerry, Layla, my kids, Cam, just head downstairs. This is totally irrelevant to you, Patty. Uh, just go. There's no point. Right? This is for married people. In fact, men, you can head down too because we're going to look at the wives section. So just, just the wives, everyone, head on out. Then the wives who stay, it's going to be like really awkward, and I'll tell you what you should be doing, and keep your mouth shut, and which cold. Here, here's the problem with how we read scripture. God doesn't give sections to some people. Right? So, so now the Thomas eggs are going to make sure their kids are cute up for when we get to the children and parents, right? Rich is going to have them suckers sitting attended. Y'all better listen up. I do recommend they come and sit at tent. I might do too. But this is not a text primarily about wives and husbands. This is a text about Jesus Christ. This is a, a text that allows us to see Christ more clearly, love him more dearly, love one another more dearly as well, and be positioned to be used by God as he intends. So married or not, this text is for you. I don't care. It, it speaks as much to Charlie as it does to me. Let me also tell you that this is a, a text 
that has led to abdication, domination, and imagination. Abdication. You know, wives submit to your husbands, husbands, heads of lives, and forget it. It's a, it's a co-equal partnership. I'm the CEO, she's the COO, and off we go. No. Domination. I remember a child in my house who shall remain nameless, when he was very little, made a comment to his mother, you're not in charge, Daddy. Oh. That's not what this text is about. Imagination. Well, here's what I think it means. I don't care what you think it means. I want to know what it means. There's a big difference there. So we're going to try to pull all these things apart. Let, let, gosh, they, I struggled all week with this because it's like four sermons in one, and i got to give this to you in a palatable way that keeps your attention and faithfully points to Christ. Hey, John, what was the four things that you just was the illiterate abdication, domination? And then you made two out of imagination. See what you've done? <laughs> abdication. It was abdication, domination, and imagination. Not at all. The other problem is legalistic obligation. I'm in charge, says the husband. You're to submit. The wife goes, ah, how about this one? I've got to submit. Legalistic obligation, it's what I have to do. So I know Kylie, I got cameras in certain people's houses. Kylie walks around when she's not plotting the murder of other people. Passively, you don't even hear her in the house. The only little shout out, y'all think Dylan's a nice guy? Make fun of my hair this morning, so I don't see coffee. He yells out, I want coffee! She, she bows down and runs in with the coffee and headship rules is what his coffee mug says. <laughs> and, and she just brings the coffee because it's her legal obligation, or is it? We'll get into that. The other side is the silly suggestion here. Why, you all know your husbands aren't really the head of the house. You just really messed up little kids and big bodies. And you got to take care of them because they're incapable of managing life on their own. And so you're in charge. You just try not to irritate your wife or your husband. Stop there because that's a silly suggestion, Cam. That's not what this text says. It lands somewhere in the middle with gospel obedience. It means exactly what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands are the head of the wife. But that's not sugar-coated culturally. That's what it says. So in a very real sense, my child was right. Daddy's in charge. But did he understand what he meant when he said it? It doesn't mean you don't, you're not the boss of me. Because she is the boss of him. But daddy's still in charge. It doesn't mean that a submissive wife is a passive wife who enables her husband's sin. Doesn't mean if Dylan yells for get me a cup of coffee that Kylie should kowtow and bring it in and ask, would you like another sir? You know, it's uh, Lloyd-Jones' wife was asked the question, what, what should a wife do whose husband demands ice cream at 2 in the morning? She says, get, get your husband a bowl of ice cream. And then call the doctor because you have a sick man on your hands. You know, a submissive wife doesn't abandon her husband to his sin. Well, we'll see what this means. It's a marvelous text, but let's land it properly. Perhaps another thing we need to put in order is, what is marriage? Where did marriage come from? You probably know the Bible verse. Love and marriage go together like a horse and a carriage. 
out of those who help themselves, none of which are restrictions. Who instituted marriage? Let me tell you where it came from years ago when humans walked the earth as Neanderthals. And they just acted like animals procreating all around, like roosters and chicken coops. They evolved to a point of, oh, this is no good. I hit one wife. Oh, oh. Less disease, more comfort. Oh, oh. And so man created marriage. And monogamy came about. But then man evolved more. Oh, oh. What if I like other man, like woman? I marry man. Oh, oh. What if I like four women? Give me all of them. Oh, oh. Polygamy, same-sex marriage, if, if man created marriage, why not? But what if there was no Neanderthal? What if in the beginning God created man, and he didn't go, ho, ho, and God created a woman from man, for man, to live as one flesh? And, and God ordained not only the institution, but how it should function. If that's the case, and God says, wives submit, husbands are the head. Guess what? That's it. We live in such a messed up world that when we see marriage, we see chaotic mess. We, we, we see a, a world that, that creates a, a partnership, a co-equal partnership. Now you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I thought this was a partnership. Now, now bear with me. It's more of a union than a partnership. It's not two people who can do the same thing, just interchanging parts as it's convenient. It's about headship and submission. It's very rare you'll see this done, even in the church. You'll see application, domination, or the double imagination. The culture makes a disaster. The flesh craves the cultural disaster. You know, remember the curse in Genesis? What, what went wrong? Your desire will be to rule over your husband. Remember that little problem? Notice Adam was charged with going out and multiplying and filling the earth, right? You can't do that by yourself so good, can you? Why was Eve created? Because Adam, dumb, need helper. No! She was created as a helpmate to Adam. So she's a weak, passive, incapable wallflower? Not so bad. But she is not a man, and he is not a woman, and in marriage they do not play the same role, but according to God's intent for marriage, marriage in, listen closely, in the household of God, with two believers, should be a powerful picture of love, selflessness, harmony, and joy. Headship and submission should lead to love, selfishness, harmony, and joy, and can only be carried out as we live in light of Ephesians 5, 18 and following, filled by the Spirit. This text flows through the, the flow of Ephesians. It's not a standalone text. So what we're going to look at, finally getting to our text over the next two to three weeks, is what is going on here. It should rub you the wrong way, or you're not paying attention. Listen, in marriages, wives, how many of you delight to the line of, I will obey? Right? Iteration does it, not mature. But, but in a biblical marriage, the wife should delight in obeying when the husband understands what his job is as the head. How I many men want to be the head? Give an account to God for that. You understand the gospel to join and delight, and no one's capable for any of it on your own. 
You see, if you think you can pull up headship based on your skill set, you've got a problem because it requires a filling of the Holy Spirit. If you think you can submit based on your personality, you've got a problem because it requires a filling of the Holy Spirit. But if you ain't submitting and, and walking in headship in marriage as the Lord intends, you will have massive problems. I don't know if you've looked around at marriages in the world, they're a hot mess. A successful marriage is two people that don't kill each other or get divorced. It's not about love, selfishness, harmony, and joy pointing to the gospel and God's love for us. So that's what we're going to endeavor to. Let's start with two words. Wives submit. What does that mean? It's got a medieval feel, doesn't it? Bow the knee to me. I am raised. Yes, sir, would you like a coffee? What does submit mean? We should probably understand what the word means. Because you, you don't get it right, you're going to have wives floundering all over the place. It's, it's either this passive, diminished, subhuman existence where you're totally dependent <coughs> on the powerful husband. Or you're going you're to buck back at it constantly. You get yourself a cup of coffee. What's wrong with your legs? Are they broken? What, what, what does this mean, submit? Wives, submit. Let's make it worse or better. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, y'all read the English translation. If you read this in the Greek, the word submit is not in verse 22. It says, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Go, what? That makes no sense, does it? Back up a verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wait a minute. This isn't about domination. This isn't about love. This is about submissiveness primarily. It's about love. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. So there's a mutual submission taking place. We're going to start with wives today. We're going to go to husbands next week, and then we're going to tie it all together in the third week as we look at what is, listen, don't ever, ever, ever assume this text is talking about your love language. The love language of the husband is respect, and the love language of the wife is affection. Yeah. No, you, you know what? You know what's wrong with love language? It's just selfish. What was Jesus' love language? Hmm. Now, I'm not totally diminishing it. Maybe you're, you're someone who likes to be hugged and, 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 and touched affectionately. Maybe it's cringy. Maybe you, you, you live with shame and encouraging words are edifying and helpful to you uniquely. But careful with a love language that elicits an ability for you to love one another. And, and I'll show you why as we get to this. Why respect is essential and why love of the wife is essential into a harmonious, gospelized marriage. So understand, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. We're not looking for legalistic obedience. We're not looking for a, a darn it, I gotta do it, a joyless obedience. We're looking for gospelized obedience. Remember Ephesians 1 up through 4, where, where we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. What's our motivation in obedience? It's the joy of Christ. It's our identity in Christ. It's God's love for us, causing us to love other people. So what does submission mean? Well, 
This is a missionary. This is something only the ladies do. Because if I remember correctly, the son submitted to the father, and the spirit submitted to the son in carrying out God's self-ethic plan, or am I crazy there? And I don't think the Son and the Spirit are inferior to the Father in the triune existence of God. It's in the economy of God, in the, the functioning of how God carried out salvation. Now, careful about getting big-headed about being the head, because I hope you've read Hebrews 13, 17. Y'all got to submit up to me now, too. Let's do this right. We're going to demand it in the home. Let's demand it in the church. So go ahead and get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> Not really, I don't want coffee. You can see what'll happen here. Some of them get up and give me a cup of coffee. And there's something right about that. And I gotta give an account to God for the foolishness of demanding a cup of coffee. Others of you go with a silly suggestion here. I'm not giving you a cup of coffee. Who do you think you want? Well, wait a minute, I'm the one in Hebrews 13 that God so what do you what do you do with this? How do we all steward this the right way, both ways? Submission is a voluntary subordination through which God is glorified as he displays his intent through marriage. I'll say it again. Subordination is a or submission is a voluntary subordination through which God is glorified as he displays his intent through marriage. Submitting is not abandoning your husband to his faults. I'm in charge here. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Keep your mouth shut and do what I say. A submissive wife is in a role class. It doesn't say don't speak. It does say submit and will land this properly, but it's not abandoning your husband to his sin. It's not simply doing what your husband says. If your husband says, go kill the child, what do you do? Now bear with me here, because for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, now you take the Bible literally, I hope. It says in everything, right? Does that mean literally in everything? So if I tell Laura, go, go knock off one of the kids, should she do it? Why not? Contrary to God's word, don't you learn If I say, I forbid you that, to go to church and gather with the church family, she should not obey me. Stretch it even further. If she has a conviction of conscience against something I call her to, it's sinning for her to do it. Should she obey God or me? Read Acts 5. Please understand the difference between a conviction of conscience and an opinion. If it's an opinion, yes, yeah, she should submit. If it's a conviction of conscience, no. We can get into this in a, another context. It's a voluntary yielding in love, pursuing the interests of the other ahead of your own that God calls you to. Submission is the means in marriage by which the wife equips the husband to live as God has called him to. Y'all tracking with me? It's about a wife building her husband up in Christ so he can fulfill God's calling on him in marriage in the home. Headship is about building a wife up in Christ that that's for next time. Think of it this way. The wife points to the role of the church to her Savior. The husband points to the role of the Savior to his church. Wives, submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. 
It's very much a signpost pointing to our relationship to Christ. And, and I want you to hang on to that because married or not, I want you to understand the beauty of this relationship we have as a church to Christ. So why is the wife to submit? See, here's a legalistic obligation because God says so. Correct. But that's legalistic. It's true. But where's the joy? Why is a wife to submit? You, you, you know, like, go home and take your coffee cups and say, happy wife, happy life. And real, it's not so far off. But it's not happy husband, happy life. It's not saying the wife submits to keep the husband quiet so things go more smoothly. No. The wife is to submit to her own husband as to the Lord because it's mutual submission, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The other reason is because the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Because it's what God has equipped the woman to do in marriage. Well, unpack what it is. Again, understand what it's not. But how does the church submit to Christ? Or let me ask it the proper way. How does Christ intend his church to submit to him? Do what I say, I'm in charge, right? It, it's, it's, I mean, this is so hard for me to slow down. I want to get to the whole verse. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of wife, even as Christ is the head of the church's body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Well, how does the Lord intend his church to submit to him? See, remember Ephesians 1 through 5. It's not, you shall do as I say, or I will smoke you dead. Why do you obey God? Talking to believers here, why, why obey God? Out of love. Didn't you read my notes? Out of love. Wives, why? How do you submit to your husband? Out of love. Not like, oh, I, wish, I wish I was in charge. I'd do a better job with it. Out of love. Gospelized submission. You're, you're submitting first and foremost as an act of obedience to Christ. You're, you're trusting that he knows what he's doing, not grudgingly or reluctantly. But you also should be, next week, joyfully submitting because the husband is fulfilling his calling as the head as God calls him to fulfill it. When husbands do this, why believing wives will see the joy in submitting. They'll desire by the power of the Holy Spirit to submit. This is not about how to make a house run smoothly. No, wait, don't miss next week. You're going to have a hot mess on your hands. This is not saying the husband determines how everything is to function specifically in the wife very best. You know what you get? Look at, look at the world today. Who's in charge of raising the kids? Baby cries. Who picks it up? Is that biblical? I'm just asking you to think about this. I'm not, I'm not going to give you the answer too fast. It's a biblical. Who, who's the one who's in charge of cleaning the house? We have got it. We, we've done this well for a long time. We should not have to clean the house. Come on, who wants to do that? Who cooks? I'll tell you this in my house, Laura cooks, or the kids can even cook. I don't cook. It's not because I'm the head, it's because I can burn me up to eat. Nobody wants to eat my cooking. You all know the frozen pizza story, amen? They, they, they went out to a, a baseball game. I was on some sort of medication, couldn't be out in the sun. Laura left me a frozen pizza. I mean, how hard is it for a full-grown man 
life to make sure that all of the people in my family are presented with God's graces and the ways that God intends them to Laura's joyful job should be to enable me to fulfill that calling for her and for our children. My job is not to determine what time we're eating and what we're eating every day of the week. That's not what the text says, because I was just determined what I was. How does Christ love the church? Come back next week for that. But, but what I'm saying is get the positions right. The wife, though, is not a conditional. If the husband's doing what he should, I submit to him. No, his wives submit. That's on the husband of God, on his faithfulness to obedience, the wife submits. But that submitting, remember the definition we started with? I'm sure you don't, because even i got to scroll back for it. Voluntary subordination through which God is glorified as he displays his intent through marriage. A voluntary yielding in love, pursuing the interests of the other ahead of your own, as God calls you to. Now, there are lots of questions that come with this text. What about the wife who's married to the unbelieving husband? What about the, the husband who has uh, unbiblical ideas and demands upon his wife? What about the, say the husband says to the wife, I, I forbid you to work outside of the home. What is the wife supposed to do? See the challenge? But what about if, if your husband is, is one who is disobedient to Christ? Do you, do you follow him? It's a little clear. But what about when your husband doesn't even know Christ? Can you submit to an unsaved husband? Yeah. How? It's complicated. It's not the text. I'm not going into great detail on that at this moment. But what I want to establish, what I want to lay out is, in the marital relationship, we need to start with God created it and God or God establishes how wives and husbands are to function. The wife's role is to submit in marriage to the husband. There is a great complexity in how we carry this out. Now, remember the book of Ephesians, because immediately we isolate this to, I'm going to figure it out by myself. Remember where our power comes from in the book of Ephesians? We have resurrection power. And we have church power. You know a marvelous thing that you rarely see happen? You take a young married couple as they're preparing to be married or they're married and, and they're meeting with a, a godly, older married couple and the question comes up, it doesn't want to even get asked this way. What does it look like, says one wife to the other or husband and wife to husband and wife ideally, to be biblically submitted to your husband? Because here's what we tend to do. I'm not so sure, but I'll figure it out. You ever think about that? How many of you, don't show your hands, have an absolutely robustly firm confidence in the way you've established headship and submission of marriage is spot on? Why? I mean, shouldn't we? The scripture is not that confusing with it, especially when we land the, the rest of the text here. Give you a couple examples to help help maybe tighten this up a little bit. Imagine you got a, a wife who's been a believer for 20 years. She's been married for 25 years. She came to faith shortly after they were married. She's been growing in the grace of Christ for 20 years. She has an immense love for God, uh, an immense understanding of His Word. Her and her husband have a couple kids. They're teenagers. The husband just comes to faith six months ago. One of the kids comes to the parents and, Mom, Dad, I got this dilemma. Believing 
children. I got this dilemma. I don't know what to do. Can you help me understand God's intent to kind of fulfill, carry out that intent joyfully? Does the wife go, ask him? He's the head. He's six months into this. Oh, Tell you what to do. Do not do it. Okay, but, but Dad, how? How did I get to that part? I'm six months in. Just don't be stupid. Okay, Jesus, don't be stupid. Well, what would that look like? What does submission and headship look like in that context? Biblically, the wife knows better than the husband. Is the husband just gonna have to figure this one out? Is that biblical headship? Biblical headship is the husband making sure that his child gets godly counsel and answer to his questions to be able to walk in the grace of Christ. If his wife knows the answer, his job is to elicit the answer from his wife to the child. He's fulfilled his responsibility as the head. Let me give you another example. What you imagine a pastor is dating this church with his wife. He's retired at this point. He's sitting in the pew and the preacher gets up. Today we're going to be in the book of Esther. Got the mention setting in. He takes his Bible and he's going like this. Can't find Esther. Just flip it. Can't find Esther. His wife's sitting right next to him. What's she doing? What, what, what's submission look like? He's, he's the head. She's saying, help. But wait a minute. You know what a godly, submissive wife does? She would discreetly reach over. Turn her husband's Bible to the book of Esther. Discreetly. You don't ever shame your husband as a submissive one. She might pat him on the leg. Do it in such a subtle way nobody notices. Her husband feels his frailty and weakness. But her, her love for him, her submissiveness to him, is enabling him to do what God would call him to. As the book of Esther is opened up right before him, as his loving wife equipped him to do what he was trying to do in Christ. This text can't be taken apart from the rest of Ephesians because properly it should be read this way. Let me give it to you this way. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sexual morality, impurity, or covetousness must not even be named among the others proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands and to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. <clears throat> Here's the danger. Don't focus on the wife part in isolation. Yes, wives, submit. Submitting to your husband as the head of the marriage so he can fulfill the God-given responsibilities entrusted to him. Okay? That does not mean you obey him in everything, right? You can't take, someone's going to go finish the pastor and says in everything, I've got to take the Bible literally. Can I, can I help you out with that? In 1 Timothy 4.10, go ahead and take a look if you want, or trust me when I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, Christ is the Savior of all men. So are we going literal or not literal? Because are all people saved? But it says Christ is the Savior of all men. Why am I pointing this out? Because it also says obey your husband in everything. Take the Bible literally, don't misunderstand me, but take it contextually. Now you're going to be wondering what's, what's going on in 1 Timothy 4. Okay, maybe I'll preach that one day. Maybe I'll be nice and tell you. The word Savior can mean two different things, and in that context, the first context, it means preserver. And in a very real sense, that's why in this text it says, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. We as husbands are not our wives. Saviors in the salvific sense, but we are saviors in the preserving and persevering sense. We have a tremendous responsibility then to our lives to enable them to rejoice in their identity in Christ and live it out. And if we don't fulfill that, that obligation before God, that command before God, our lives will suffer tremendously. So come back next week, but understanding with the wives, the Lord is presenting a Submitted and headed family. He's talking about submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, wife, what does that look like for you to submit to your husband, to be filled by the Holy Spirit in marriage? Right? That's what he's saying. Husband is the head, you're submitting to the husband. Husband is the head, you're loving your wife in this position. When you put the two together, we have a God honoring marriage that points to the reality of who Christ is, the power, the majesty, the love, the adoration that Christ himself has towards his church. 
Now, how do you pull this off? Well, we got the putting off and the putting on. Remember that? We were looking at it a couple weeks ago. We have the fellowship of believers. We have the public and private ministry of the word. But I just want to establish off of that, we have to be very careful to push this as the cultural jump out of our marriages. See, I grew up in, in a home with a dad who was no doubt in charge. He just wasn't a believer. My dad was not an abusive husband at all to my, to my, to my mom. He was, he was as best as he could, a very, is a very loving husband. But dad was in charge. I, one of my, my clearest memories as a child is you could push your mom so far. You know, I, I said, clean up the garage before dinner. My mom did to that. I mean, kind of, it was not appropriate, but a little sass came out. You didn't feel like death was imminent. But then she, she would say, She's a woman in a fort. Hey, wait till your father gets home. Any of y'all hear that growing up? Wait till your daddy gets home. No, no, no. Mom, no. Mom, no. I'm going to go through the garage. I promise. Right? Did you hear that garage door go up? That's not quite right. That, that, that's not truly biblical, right? But it's partially biblical. That's what makes it so confusing. There, there, there should be a reverence and respect uniquely to the father, but not at the expense of the mother. You know, a wallflower, the kind of does the bad beginning of the house, the kids have to tolerate, right? But the mom shouldn't be the dad. The dad shouldn't be saying to, to the mom, it's not really a big deal responsibility. I work. No one says. No one says. They are no See, a lot of us have been married more than a couple of years. 
marital roles based on what you saw in your parents and not because of the godly example they set, but just because what you're used to? Do you know how conflict comes about in marriage? Everybody wants to be in charge. You ever notice how nobody wants to be in charge? But do we think? Do, do we think about why we do what we do? Look, look, look at what I was reading. I don't remember which top, too many commentaries this week. Someone was making the point that one of the biggest problems the church has today, and one of the clearest reasons of why children seem to walk away from the faith, is because the homes they're growing up in aren't homes with biblical headship and submission before them displaying the grace of God, the love of God for his church, and the intent of the church to worship and love the mind, Christ himself. You see, there, there's a picture we set not only for our kids, not only for the, the world, but, but of what the love and power and majesty and grace of God is, what the gospel of God is, as a, as a husband lives as the head and the wife submits to her husband. But not by imagination, not by abdication, not, not, not by dictatorial fiat, by gospelized establishment of God who created marriage. Now, we could go through a series of practical specifics. But husbands, do you sit down with your wives and catechize your wives? Like, what do they mean catechize? You walk through something like the Westminster Shorter Catechism with your wife or your kids. Was that a biblical mandate? It's not a biblical mandate, but it points to fulfilling the biblical responsibilities of headship. Do, do you remind your wife regularly, as this text calls us to, we'll see next week, how precious and beautiful she is in the eyes of Christ? You treat her like a servant to do what you want. And if we're honest, maybe both is the problem. Do you, do you see the awesome, downright frightening, if not landed properly, responsibility we have as husbands for which we'll give an account to the Lord? It shouldn't call ter cause terror, but it should keep us awake. Wives, do you see the responsibility you have before the Lord in submission? And the reality is you, you're probably marinating in a marriage where it's not well defined because it's culturally confused. Because the text doesn't say the husband shall drive the car and the wife shall sit in the passenger seat, giving wise and timely directions when asked. Anybody else have a problem with the directions coming about two minutes too late? Well, you should turn half a mile back. Well, well, how am I supposed to know this? That's not what the text is about. Is there something difficult one can argue about the husband driving the car? Well, I can stretch that out so we can drive everywhere. That's not what this text is talking about. How does Christ love his church? That's the issue. Is Christ a passive leader in the church or near church, whatever, whatever seems best to you, you do. No worries whatsoever. Whatever, just, just, just let me know you're in charge. I'm up here at the right hand of the Father. No. But is it, is it a, a, a dictatorial, mean-spirited, I'm in charge? Do what I say or deal with you see, it's got to be landed in the middle. Husbands, isn't the danger we go one way or the other? Wives, isn't, isn't the danger we don't, we don't submit to our husbands as, as Christ's church submits to him? 
were capable by God's design to figure out how to pull this off by yourself, how to identify areas of sin, blind spots, struggles, why there's struggles, what God's will is specifically in your life. On your own, it's not just you, the Holy Spirit in your Bible, it doesn't work because I seem to remember somewhere in Ephesians talking about spiritual giftedness within the body. See this whole thing fits together? So maybe you're not married, but you have a, a joyful responsibility before the Lord and the fellowship of saints to better equip and position your brothers and sisters in Christ who are married as God intends with the gifts you have so that they might live as he calls them to. But let's punch even further through that. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself is Savior. <clears throat> Show of hands, who's not married here? Y'all are wrong. Who's not, who's not married here? Mostly the chiefs of the church, but that's not Catholic, there you go. I know what you're saying. As we look at God's intent for marriage between a man and a woman, we really should be looking through that to the fact that there are no single Christians. Did you know that? We, we, we are all wed to Christ. And I want you to think, if we can look at the distortions in, in the fleshliness of marriage that you do within the church on this side of glory, but there, there's no fleshliness in Christ's love for us in the sense of sinfulness. Do you ever marvel at, at how much Christ loves you? Do you ever marvel at the fact that he has chosen to be head over you? And it is a joy and a delight to submit to him. Do you know that you can do that with great confidence because he will fulfill his obligations to you to care for you perfectly as he sanctifies you fully before he brings you home to glory? My friends, do you see the joy in that? For it is to the extent you see the joy in that that you'll be able to fulfill your responsibilities in marriage in light of that. I want to show you my notes. I can't show them, but I have about 50 things I want to say within the interact with one another, not just say it in the months and in weeks ahead. Being both married or just one set married and thinking about marriage. Keep in the back of your mind. Say, say Laura calls you up this week. Aaron, John is driving me crazy. Right? This, this will be the phone call I have blown up. One response is there's a kind response. I'm so sorry, that's so difficult. Then there's the harsh response. The legalistic response. Suck it up. Submit. Then there's a gospelized response. What's going on? Trying to help Laura understand her role in marriage so that she might be better able to help me understand my responsibility in marriage so that we can mutually submit to and love one another and delight, delight in the love that Christ has for us. See what's going on here? <coughs> I feel like I'm leaving you all hanging. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Ready for the next part?
bold to step into a marriage. Some will praise God for their love. Some will be raised by a son. Wives, think about how Christ calls his church to submit to him. And think about how he calls us, calls you to submit to your husband. He's a joy in it. See your husband as God sees them. We're not, we're not incapable little boys. We need a mommy in the house to take care of us. I know that's how a lot of husbands act. Shame on you if that's right. I'm not talking about when you get cold. That's different. That's totally different. Men, we are called to tremendous responsibility, and shame on us if we fail our wives and our kids and our church and our community in those responsibilities. God calls us to be the head for a reason with specific intent for next week. But wives, men can't fulfill in marriage. We cannot fulfill our responsibility and calling to the Lord apart from our wives. Think back to Adam who was told, go, go, and, go and fill the earth. Right? How do you go pull that off by himself? Adam was in charge. Eve was a helpmate. But that doesn't mean that Eve was inferior to Adam. Different roles, different responsibilities, not, not different um, intimacies with God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you please help? Would you help land this text in our hearts well for your glory? Lord, I've broken apart a section of scripture. I will break down in the middle. <clears throat> that you would use that use that well for your glory. For Lord, in a sense, the text doesn't make fullness of sense in pointing to Christ until we round it off with the husband's roles. But there might be way too much to try to swallow all at once if you do. Lord, I pray for the husbands and wives in our church. May we understand marriage more fully for what it is. May we, as husbands, truly delight in our wives as Christ delights in his church. But may we understand, and more so next week, Lord, the joyful responsibility you entrust to us and enable us to, by the power of the Holy Spirit through new birth, to be God-honoring Lord, I pray for the wives. May not only we as their husbands be making their submission a joy and delight to them, but far more so, Holy Spirit, may you edify and encourage them in you to understand the mighty privilege and responsibility you entrust to them in that high and noble calling. May you give them boldness and confidence not to walk in meekness and weakness, but in strength in you to care for their husbands as you call them to, to equip their husbands as you call them to, and to be the help base to their husbands as you call them to. Lord, for those who are not married, I pray for those who may one day marry, that you would be preparing them to trust you in the process if that is something you set before them. Not to run ahead and try to find a fulfilling marriage that can only be found in you, but to understand the necessity of being prepared for marriage to glorify you well in it. 
that the love you have for us and the work you have done to save us and the work you are doing to sanctify us and the future we have with you, our bridegroom. Lord, help us to understand that we need one another by your intent to fulfill what you have called us to, to know your will, to walk in your will, and have the joy of obedience to your will. Lord, protect the marriages in this church. Protect them from the fleshliness of the participants. Protect them from the deceitfulness of the devil and the world. Give us by your word, Holy Spirit, as you sanctify us, an increasing desire to love you in light of your love for us, so that we as husbands and wives and brothers and sisters in the church would love one another as you have called and equipped us to, for your name's sake. Lord, keep these words from your text and reminder of our minds until we gather again next week and round off the marriage with the roles and responsibilities of the husband and head, that we might delight in being able to be a signpost of yours, pointing to your glory and grace. Lord Jesus, how magnificent that as we pray at this very moment, you are as attentive to us as a loving mother is to her child, an adoring husband is to his wife. What a comfort and joy to know that as those dearly loved by you, your eye is upon us, you are with us, you will never leave us nor forsake us, and our high calling is to know you and enjoy you forever. May we do this as you intend, Lord, according to your word and light of your grace, filled by your spirit. In your holy and precious name we pray.